Hey, I gotta tell you guys about something, and I'm really excited to talk about this because I got a brand new front door lock. And it's not just any lock, it's a Eufy video lock. You might be thinking, what's the big deal, Chael? Well, okay, I'm gonna tell you. First off, it is sleek. I mean, it's a very big deal. My father used to build houses. My whole life, I've known how important curb appeal is. I used to be in real estate. When I show somebody a house, the front door is the very first thing you see. This thing is a piece of art. It truly is, and it's such a good looking piece of hardware. It instantly upgraded my front door. I was excited about the functionality. So not only do I get an instant makeover with a piece of art, you now have a different level of protection. It's a smart lock. It's got a 2K camera with audio and doorbell all in one. Most competitors are either just a camera or a smart lock. The Eufy Video Lock has both plus a doorbell and it can all be controlled via an app, which makes things so convenient. I hate when I hear the doorbell ring and I'm comfortable inside. I gotta get up, go to the door, just to find out it's a delivery man who dropped the package and is already long gone. The Eufy Video Lock now allows me to avoid all of that. I can just peek at the app. I can even talk to him or hear him talk back to me. Also, my wife and I travel a lot. It's an added level of security at my front door and it makes me feel a little bit more at ease. It was very easy to install. No, there are no monthly fees for the security video storage. The battery is rechargeable and each charge lasts about four months. The Eufy Lock is fantastic and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. Do that by going to Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you gain complete control of your door. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday. And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Wow, what a loaded weekend in combat sports. We had some massive fights in boxing. In Bellator, of course, and the UFC, I hope you guys enjoyed the chaos as much as I did. Coming up on today's program, I got some big bookings announced. We got Lahal Mohammed taking on Gilbert Burns. Plus, Robert Whitaker has been announced to be the opponent for Duplessis. I'm going to get into those matchups and more in today's show. But let's begin with what we saw over the weekend. Sergey Pavlich, five for five inside of five. That's what I told you guys yesterday. Brought you peace. Brought you a weekend update. Getting that little saying going. I was seeing this on a t-shirt. Five for five inside of five, right? Sergey's going to go make his case. Be the number one contender. Take Stipe's spot. Read the comment section. You guys straighten me out. It turns out he is now six. Six straight victories by way of knockout in the first round. So I like five for five inside of five, but I also like six for six inside of one, right? I mean, I think that there's something here. I don't know 
guys' records off the top of my head, but that that includes my own. I couldn't tell you if I went on a four-fight streak or a nine-fight streak at one point. I just couldn't tell you. But I don't think I've heard that before, not at heavyweight. I don't think that I've heard that anywhere. You know, Ronda, Ronda got real hot where she was getting those, those girls out of there quick, but I thought she stopped at four. I thought. I thought she had four first-round arm bars. I'm sure, the, and maybe she had six. I don't think anybody's done six. I don't think so. I mean, that is Mike Tyson-esque. And these are extremely hard fights. Curtis Blades does not have the fan appeal that he deserves. But he is as rough and tough as they come. He's a top four guy any way you slice the deck. And I'm, I'm just sharing for you, what do you do? What, what do you do with Sergey? We're told, but I feel loosely, that we've got a heavyweight fight that's going to come up in November. I saw reporters, there's a thing on one of the dirt sheets that I go to that, that will be, you know, matches to make now that this event is done. And, and, and I read it every time, and it's either at, at Elbow or it's at Mania, and, and they said uh, that Sergey should fight the winner of Stipe and Jones. And, like, by the merits, that's a great idea. Show me a contract between Stipe and Jones. That would be the first thing that I would say. And I can't come in and get him this match. He has to get the match. And to get it, he's got to speak up. I don't feel that that's going to happen. And in this particular situation, that time has already come and gone. His time on the microphone, he asked for a bonus three times. Now... I thought it was very clear that he should get the bonus and was going to get the bonus, but I'll, I'll just share for you, it, it's a massive sign of weakness, right? And every, everybody needs money. That, that, that's real. I, I don't attempt to come to you from some high-handed approach, but, but when you are admitting that you need money to the point that you're asking for, to the point that you're begging for it repeatedly, it, it, it doesn't, it, the, the appearance is, it's not right. You're the main event heavyweight attraction on the worldwide league, and you're begging for money. It's, it's one of these things. It's just, it's one of these things where those moments have got to be maximized. Six straight inside the first round against the absolute best. Curtis Blades is an absolute best. Absolutely he is. Been in there with everybody, nobody but the absolute top has beaten him. And you know, you want to know something else? Anyone that's beaten Curtis, you have to, you have to stop him. You got to shut him off. Nobody's grounded out with him and tit for tat. Okay. It's this round and this round. We're both hurting and who wants it more? No, no way. No way. I don't know if there's anybody that could. That's how good Curtis is. You you guys truly do underestimate Curtis. So I'm just sharing for you. It's an interesting spot because if we were to go by the dirt sheets, who did kick this party off, we're going to hold him and he's going to take on the winner of, of, of Stipe and Jones. Now, what that means when that was written on the dot-com, and, and even as I purport it now, is that's what he deserves, that's what he's earned. We respect what he's done. We see the six for six inside of a round. And we want to put him in the appropriate position. That's what that is to mean. The realisticness of do we predict that that's going to happen? You're talking about making a guy unemployed for a year. John and Stevie are going to fight till November. 
Which means whoever comes out of that, if they're even still fighting, which we've heard reports from the very top that they might not be, wouldn't perform until a best case scenario of Q1 of 2024. Do you understand that? So Sergi is not going to have his next match against the winner of Stipe and Jones if that match, in fact, is to take place in November. So now you do have a question of what do you do with him? And as good as Sergi looks and as, as scary as he looks, right, as ferocious as he looks, and his body's looking better, right? I mean, there's a reason we face him off. You say a picture's worth a thousand words. He's getting stronger. He's getting a little leaner. You can start to see. And men will do that. Right, you, have, you have the puberty that you all read about in school, but a man a man gets a second one. Some people call it dad strength. Some people call it old man strength. But if a guy can just stay alive long enough, he will just get another round of strength. And I feel as though Sergi's getting it. I really think there's something special there. And I think you guys do too, right? I don't have to sell you on a guy that's six for six inside of one, but that'll come bite you in the ass, right? The, the, the worst thing competitively that's happened to John Jones in a meaningful period of time is running over Surreal Gone without breaking a sweat. And the same thing would apply to Sergi. And as impressive as that is, six for six inside of one, you would be right to ask yourself a question, which is, well, how does he do 15 minutes in? And how does he do in championship rounds of which he has never seen? Because we know how John Jones does. And we know it is very unlikely you're going to put a mitt on John Jones, let alone put him down quickly. Surreal Gone is a very decorated striker. The fight started on the feet. Surreal was running backwards and didn't put a mitt on John Jones. I'm having to share it for you, right? Like, it's not likely that Sergi can go over there and get him out of there in a round. We all believe that. And, and when you start having those things that happen so fast, you start to expect it. You're a human being. There's nothing you can do. You get used to something. You get used to a hard battle. You get used to a quick battle. There is nothing that will make a fighter unravel faster. Mentally, we call it breaking, we call it cracking. Nothing than an athlete finding himself in a match that is harder than he thought it was going to be. And I, I bring that to your attention. It's what bit Ronda, when Ronda fought Holly Holm, just by example. It wasn't just that head kick. It wasn't. It wasn't that huge crowd. It wasn't the trip to Australia. It was the four girls that all went down in a minute prior to that. You start to get used to that. Your cardio starts to get used to that. You start to get used to these experiences. Hey, I'm going to come in there. I got the buzz. I got the crowd. I got the Bruce Buffer. Hey, boom, I've got him again. It's only been two minutes. It's one of those things. Nobody's wrong. It's just at some point that comes back and grabs you. You get used to being out of there in five minutes. You start using endurance. You start to learn how to use that energy right here as opposed to extending that energy. If you go for a finish, this is a Mike Tyson quote, but if you go for the finish, you will not win a decision. And I'm just, this is just food for thought. I'm just bringing this to your attention. Two fights ago, Sergi chose to use that airtime to be a cute, boyish, young fighter and served who we viewed as master, the legend Daniel Cormier. I do not fault him for that at all. I thought Sergi was very playful. I thought he was very likable. I thought he was very cute. And I thought he was very respectful to somebody who has been where he wants to be. I, I, I do. At the same time, everything I just said is the opposite of fight promotion. There was nothing that Sergi did in his previous fight that got him the Curtis Blades fight. There was nothing that Curtis Blades did that got him the Sergi fight. And that shouldn't be the case when we have main events, guys. Right? And we got matchmakers. They'll come in. They'll look at contracts. They'll look at dates. They'll put two guys together. 
There's a show every single Saturday. There's 11 fights on the show. 10 of them are put together the way I just described. Here's a stack of contracts. Here's a stack of contracts. You fight you. The main event should be something different, but Curtis did not go for this fight. Sergi did not go for this fight. And Sergi did not make the move to disrupt Jones and Stipe. And there wasn't going to be a nice way to do that. He could not have come in and made his, right, begging for money. This was bad, but, but he could not have done this nice. He could not have come in and said, hey, guys, listen. These main events are tough, man. This is five-round training camps. These are five-round fights. And even if I'm not getting there, I'm still out here and I'm prepared. Matter of fact, just to remind you, on March 3rd, I weighed in for a fight that potentially was going to be March 4th. I broke camp. I had the fight with Curtis. I broke camp and went and did this and just came back and refocused on Curtis. It's a hard thing to do. And I'd like recognized for that. In addition to my incredible record, I also happen to be 30 years young got two guys about to fight that are both talking about retirement. I'm not. And I hope that you consider that. That, right there, what I just said, wouldn't work. He's going to have to come in if he wants this omelet. He's going to have to break some eggs. He's going to have to talk about the geriatric dinosaur division. He's going to talk about the youngest champion of all time in John Jones. is now the oldest current champion on the roster. Oh, by the way, he was the oldest number one contender on March 4th when he beat a one-and-one kickboxer named Surreal. Now the oldest number one contender is his soon-to-be opponent, who I'm told they woke up and gave two years off before he could get back in there. Or you have me, who will starch either one of those guys, the same as I starched the six guys before this, and you think I'm going to wait till November to do it? I am ready right now, right? That 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 is going to get you a lot closer. And it it just it it does appear to be a very odd situation because what are you gonna do with him? Whatever you do with him now, you're eliminating a challenger in the future. What what if Jones and Stipe do fight and that ends up being their last fight? I mean, what if that happens? That means that the belt would become vacant. You gotta have two really good guys go and fight for it. Well, whoever Sergi fights next could be that match, except it won't be because of the date. It will just be a match. Somebody's going to get eliminated. And it's great problems to have, by the way. Like, as I lay this out for you, if you're in the fight business, this is the problem that you want. You want so many guys. You want so many great guys. You want so many contenders. There hasn't been a time in heavyweight that I can recall. Now, it has happened before, but not in recent memory where we were arguing over who should be the number one contender, or that even the boys were arguing amongst themselves of who deserves the next shot. We haven't had this. So these are good problems to have. I'm just bringing them to your attention. We, we have a fight that has been very difficult to make for whatever reason. And we have a 30-year-old who stopped six men in the first round six times straight. We don't have a fight sign, right? You get a fight sign, there's nothing that you can do. We don't have a fight sign, which means we have a live debate of who the number one contender should be. It's a very interesting situation, but if you sandhag in your own career and you rather come out and ask for a couple of bucks in front of the world as opposed to line up what's next, it's your career. Do with it what you want. Parts, guys, movie parts. I mean, 
we haven't seen very often where you have a number one contender identified, but you have a title match still looming. Off the top of my head, I can think of that once. It was for Francis Ngannou. It was meant as a compliment. Francis went out. He fought Rosenstrike. I want to say it was 246. Dana goes to the press conference that night and says, he's next. Now, that was meant as a compliment. It was meant as saying, I'm, I, I'm making you the number one contender. And don't forget, John Jones was looming. None of us knew when John was coming back. So Dana was even getting in front of that and saying, no matter what happens, including the return of John, you're next. It was meant as a compliment, but it was a unique situation because the heavyweight title, which was Daniel and Stipe, was still looming. It was months away. So all it meant for Francis is he doesn't get a paycheck for a while. And Francis is the one that brought this to our attention. We go, oh, wait a minute. Well, that, was, that was an unintended consequence. This was meant to be a good thing for you. I'm bringing that to you because I feel as though we're seeing that more and more. And timing is so important, right? Like, you, you don't have a fight, no matter what you think, until that contract is signed. It's wildly important. Things change. The landscape changes quickly. When you're a decision maker, you're only as good as the information that you have. I'll just give you an example. There was an ultimate fighter coming up. Ultimate fighter being the greatest marketing vehicle in our industry, but also in the history of our industry. Nothing has worked as well. Now, coaches were set. I can't remember what they were, but coaches were set. And the year was 2012. I'm wrong. It was 2013. Right in this time frame, coaches were set. BJ Penn, out of nowhere, calls Dana and says, I want to coach opposite Frankie. I want to fight Frankie again. And all plans were scrapped and BJ and Frankie came in. It created some hard feelings. But as Dana said, I had this, this fell in my lap. I wasn't expecting it. I didn't have this option. It wasn't a piece. I, I had to go with this. BJ was red hot back then. Frankie was red hot. Their rivalry was red hot. It was the right decision. I'm sharing this with you because nothing is done until it's done. There was a gentleman who was announced to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Something happened and he didn't make it to the event. Whatever happened, but he did not walk across that stage. He's not into this day. That story is 15 years old. They never put him in. They didn't bring him back the next year or the next year or just annoyed it. Or even in the absence of your presence, here you're in. He's not in. Nothing's done until it's done. I just share that with you. I'm looking at 170 pounds. I'm looking at Mohammed. I'm looking at Burns. I mean, true tough guys. Guys that are truly hungry and want an opportunity. These guys could not have the respect of their peers anymore. And it appears to be a very clear number one contenders match. What that does, if you're the guy that is supposed to get the next title shot, right? There's an argument that you got two guys, two voices that are fighting. It sounds like you got it, but you do have these two voices that are fighting. Now all of a sudden they're, they're going to fight. Great. They're off the board. You're clear. It's obviously your shot. Well, not so fast when you find out they're up in seven days or these guys, what are they up in 14, 12, 13 days? You get the point. They're up right around the corner. So now the two guys that are trying to take what I want anyway, but I don't have it, they're trying to take it anyway, are now going to have endless media. And by the way, a beautiful victory. Whoever wins this is going to have a beautiful, beautiful victory and would appear very clearly to be a number one contender. 
Well, that's great. You gotta have a contender, then you gotta have a next contender, you gotta move on. But when you don't have the fight signed as is, you don't have the venue booked, you don't even know what date it's going to be, it sounds like the argument that they're already willing to engage in is gonna be stronger. I'm just bringing that to your attention. We're seeing it again at 185 pounds. Take you back a week ago, Dana revealed to everybody that Adesanya has really been busy getting a hold of him, getting a hold of Hunter Campbell, really wants to do a match right away. And Dana said, I think we're going to do it. I think we're going to get him in towards the end of summer, which would be a quick turnaround. But they wanted to do this for him. They then booked Duplices and Whitaker. And that sure is an interesting thing to do. Whitaker, clearly the number one contender, number one ranked guy, and for good reason. Duplices, number six, but highest ranked guy, who hasn't had the opportunity yet, oh, and by the way, is the one that is he called for. It's an interesting spot. So those guys come off the board in what would appear to be a number one contenders match. But is it, right, it's hard to say, is it? I don't think anybody's in a hurry to do Whitaker in Izzy 3. So, you see what I'm saying? That they come off, they come off the board. Duplices at number 6. They decided, eh, that's just not high enough. It's just not high enough to put in there for a world title. Okay, great. But there's no one else. The, the only other guy that hasn't had an opportunity would be Strickland, but and, and he's, I believe, 7th. So I'm I'm just saying, you know, for a person in Chael's shoes, if the information that I'm given is accurate, which is we're going to try to get Izzy in there, by the end of summer we have to get him in there with somebody who's got to have an opponent, the number one contender and the most likely guy are now with each other. Where does Izzy go? And there's a sign, guys. There's an answer. There's been no mistakes that were made. It's not as though they, they made this match and for, oh, geez, that's right, we have to get Izzy somebody. No, they have a plan. I just don't know what it is. I've heard people guessing that they're going to bounce Izzy. I don't believe this, by the way. I don't at all think this is it, but they're going to move Izzy up to 205 to go after Jamal Hill. I don't believe that. I I do not believe that. Not with Piera going up to that division and potential for these guys to run into each other for the 10,000th time. But I am sharing for you, there's some moving parts. And even when you have something that you want to do, you got to wait. You got to wait, and Dan will go to press conferences, and he'll say the same thing every single Saturday night. He'll get asked a question post-fight, and he'll say, let's see what happens. But there's a lot on that. He doesn't know yet what the injury report is. He doesn't know what the suspension automatic by the commission is. He doesn't know what the attitude of the athlete is. He doesn't know what the motivation and the turnaround time can be. It's one of those things you have to wait and see what happens. But as I look at this, and this all stems, this all stems from Stipe's position, right? And I can't say Stipe and Jones. Wherever Jones goes next, it's a world title fight main event because he's bringing it. So it's a little bit different. I can't, I can't say Jones. I have to say specifically for Stipe to get this match, to not get passed up on. And while we're, we're taking a look at that, while I believe that Colby is safe, I'm just sharing for you the two guys that have argued and rocked that boat the absolute most are now going to be in front of the media more than they've ever been and have a beautiful victory to help support their case. What do they do in the meanwhile? They wait till the venue and the date and the Leon and all these things come around and then wait till somebody's better and go through training camps and a whole other side. I mean, you're going to be out for a meaningful period of time which doesn't seem like a reward that they would want. And the last time this position was tested, it was by Francis, and he did not look at it as a reward. He did not like it at all. 
He liked being the number one contender. He didn't like being without a fight, having to wait for something to happen. And now you've got the same thing going on with Izzy, it would appear. There's a plan, by the way. Nothing's overlooked. I just don't know it. They got a plan. We're going to get some announcements. We're going we're gonna to get some clarity. We're going to get some big things coming soon. But if you're in one of those positions, it's very important that you don't lay there quiet and that you think something's going to happen. Even if you heard it somewhere, or you read about it somewhere. You gotta fight for that stuff. You gotta fight for it every day. Don't expect anything. You are not in the Hall of Fame until you come across that stage and you are not in a championship match until they bring that belt cage side and shut the door. Speaking of Gilbert and Lahal, I would like to know the story, if there is one, there's a potential there's not, but for me, that would be a story in of itself, of Rachmanov. Where does he fit into this? I mean, this was the worst kept secret in MMA that Blahal and Gilbert were trying to find each other. They were trying to steal beautiful placement on a pay-per-view of a co-main event spot, save the day, get the attention for doing that. Oh, and by the way, being a number one contenders match. And I'm just wondering where Rachmanov was in this. Did he sit it out because he didn't see that this was going on or understand it? Did he insert himself and there wasn't an interest? I'd like to know. I mean, no matter who comes out of it, they're not going to have the beautiful record that Rachmanov does, right? No, ma no matter who wins between, between Burns and Blahal or if you even combine them together, they're not going to have as impressive as a, of a record as Rachmanov. It's ridiculous. 16 and 0, all with finishes. I mean, it's just, it's silly. I've, I've never heard of it before. I believe it's the greatest record in the history of the sport. But you can't be a number one contender. Can't be a number one contender sitting there doing nothing. Can't be a number one contender because two guys stepped up, got up their biscuit, went out there and risked it. You sat there and did nothing, but you had a beautiful goose egg in the loss come, right? I mean, it just doesn't work that way. So wh where does he insert himself? And by the way, what's he, what's he do? I mean, that, that's one of the problems with me believing that Gilbert and Blahal is a number one contenders match. Just the calendar's got a problem. Blahal or Gilbert are great choices right now today for number one contender. You go fight each other, they come out, wonderful, wonderful, love these guys. But Colby's got that spot. And moreover, and most importantly, is that doesn't have a date yet. I mean, as a matter of fact... From the last interview that Leon did, which I believe was just a comment on his social media, he said, I'm not going to do it. It's not the right guy. I, I just sharing that for you. Whoever comes out of Blahal and Gil is going to be speaking up. And if Leon comes in and co-signs, it's just one of those things. I, I do believe that that's Colby's spot. I'm not trying to start something. I'm, I'm sharing for you that Colby and Leon are going to fight, right? So that, that's way over here. On the counter, it's, that's way over here. Somebody comes out of Gilbert and Blahal. I don't know that they want to wait not only over here, but then for the new training camp and the new cycle. I don't know that they want to sit there for seven months, eight months. I mean, those guys appear to be very busy. They appear to like to go out there and compete, which means whatever whatever they've got, they're putting on the line, right? That's, that's this sport. This sport is a poker hand where you're all in at all times. Whatever it is you have, whatever it is you've accomplished, is on the line. You got a championship, the championship's on the line. You got an undefeated record, somebody's O's got to go, right? It's all on the line at all times. So if you're a number one contender, you're going to bring that. Rock Mono's going to come in and try to steal that from you. 
Or do you want to sit and wait? Well, even if you do sit and wait, the very thing that you're doing to Colby right now, which is bringing massive attention to try to take an opportunity on a fight that is yet to be signed, the same thing that you're doing, Rachmanov's going to have the chance to do it back to you. And should. This is how this game is played. Everybody, this is fair game. Everybody's doing what they should do. I, I just suggest for you, where was Rachmanov on this? Where was he? And who in the hell are you going to put Rachmanov with? 16-0. and 0. People talking about number one contenderships, right? Joe Rogan said on the broadcast that Rachmanov's next fight might be for a title. That is wildly helpful. Turned out Joe had it wrong, but that's wildly helpful. So, we believe that Blahal and Burns are fighting for a number one contendership. We just believe that. But that creates a line. And now let me give you another scenario. Who is likely to fight Rachmanov? Who is even possible? Who could you even possibly sell to the audience to go in against a guy that's 16-0 and one win away from fighting for a championship or going and joining that line? Because there's only one guy. Are you aware of who it is? Or is your mind going off? You think I'm going to say Chemayev, don't you? You think I didn't uh, forgot that Chemayev's up at 85, don't you? Who's the one guy... With Gilbert and Blahal busy and Colby booked with Leon, who's the one guy that could fight Rachmanov that would be a number one contenders match? Go ahead. He's right in front of you. Kamara Usman. That's your answer. If Rachmanov comes up on Kamara, that will be the number one contenders match. And whatever you see on May 5th will be like it didn't happen. And for Rachmanov to sit back and be quiet, and you got to understand, I don't know him. I don't know him. I like him. I'm becoming a fan Right, I'm real tight with Danny. It's, it's, it's one of those things. But I don't know Rachmanov enough to know if he jumped in this mix. Generally, if he was jumping in this mix and they decided to go with Blahal and they decided to go with Gilbert, that's the fight to make. They would give him credit generally. That would come up. Dana would find a way to work that in. This is the fight I'm going with. God, it was tough. God, Rachmanov won't quit lighting me up. He wanted to do it. Generally, Dana will find a way to get a guy credit. I just haven't heard this. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I haven't heard it. So if it didn't happen, I'm going to speculate as to why. Turns out he's not the badass we thought he was. That's going to be on the table somewhere. Or he's sitting on something that he deems to be bigger. I don't want to go too far with the Kamara Usman thing. I can grab my phone and call Kamara. I haven't done that. I talk to Ali every day. I haven't asked him. I haven't asked him. But everything is on the table. Retirement is on the table. And if he goes out, he will go out as one of the greats. He will go into commentating, he will be loved, and he will wait for his phone to ring for his time to go into the Hall of Fame. It's on the table. He's done everything. Having the eye of the tiger and wanting back in there is also on the table. And if that is what he wants... Right, because Kamara hasn't done, he hasn't been talking to us lately. So we, we, we assume certain things and then we run with it. He, had, he didn't talk to us much before he went and did this trilogy fight, his last fight there with Leon. So we assumed he just buckled down and focused. But he hasn't talked to us since that fight either. And we assume it's because he's taken his oars out of the water. He's exhaling for once pressure's off. He's enjoying the family. We believe those things. We've never been told it though. And there is another side, which is that he's hungry. He's coming back. 
He knows he's going to have to go through fire. This is the guy that's become a number one contender and had to do it again. Why wouldn't he do it a third time? He knows what it's going to take. And he knows with the people available, there's one guy that would be a number one contender's match that will shut the book on everybody else. And he knows that one guy is Rachmanov. And Rachmanov stayed silent on an opportunity to slide in on a six, walk into a co-main of a PPV. He stayed silent. Perhaps he's not the tough guy we think he is. Or perhaps he's got an ace up his sleeve and there's only one left on the table. And it's got Kamara Usman's face on it. versus Duplessis. What do you guys think? Because that came out of nowhere for me. Like, that was a really pleasant surprise. And I don't get those all that often where I look, I go, oh, okay, this guy's messed up with this guy. That was such a pleasant surprise. It kind of popped off the page. I didn't see that fight coming. I, I've been very clear to you to tell you I thought it was going to be du Duplessis versus Adesanya. And I had, I had perfect reason for doing that. I mean, let, let's start with the fact that Israel Adesanya, more than anyone in the UFC's history, picks his opponent. He steers his own career, and before he leaves one night, he will let us, the audience, know he will set up his next performance. He will tell us who it's going to be, right? He's great at it. And he did Duplessis, and, and he actually did it without saying Duplessis' name. Every, every other opponent, he said their name. He's called him. He's even pointed to people in the audience. With Duplessis, he said, I'm not going to say his name, but I will drag his carcass all over Africa. Well, there's one African fighter in the division, Duplessis. So we put it together. I just, I liked it. I liked it. I thought it was very interesting. And I got it. Duplessis is ranked number six. That's a little low ranking-wise. But he's 5-0 and in the UFC. He's beaten two number one contenders or former number one title challengers. And he's the highest ranked guy who hasn't yet been given an opportunity. I mean, there's my math. I, I didn't state anything creative there for you. I just stated the facts. I got it. Not to mention the X's and O's are pretty fun. Okay, great. Dana comes in, never says Duplessis, but a week ago, Dana said, hey, I think we're going to get Izzy a fight pretty soon. I think we're going to get him a fight in the summer, which is right around the corner. Okay, great. I got this whole thing figured out. This one's, this one's obvious, but what are you going to do with Whitaker? That becomes the question. You got Whitaker coming off a win. You got Strickland coming off a loss. Generally, a winner takes on a fellow winner. A guy coming off a loss takes on a, a, a loss. That's not a rule, it's just a policy. However, when you got guys both in the top 10, what difference does it make, right? You got a guy beating top guys, you got a guy lost to the absolute tough guy. It's one of those things. This was my prediction. Didn't come true. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not even remotely right. When you're putting Whitaker versus Duplessis, it would seem as though you're shining up Duplessis, but there's no guarantee that he's going to win. As a matter of fact, I will predict for you, and I haven't seen DraftKings yet. This news is somewhat new, but they will come out with a line, and I will bring it to you, and I'll very comfortably predict for you he's going to be the underdog. Robert Whitaker is as good as they come. He is as good as any middleweight to have ever done it. In many ways, I feel that Robert Whitaker is better than Israel Adesanya. That's how good I think he is. Now, he's got, he's got matchup problems. There's some matchup issues point that I'm trying to make. If we're not going to give it to Whitaker, who is ranked number one, who's clearly the number one contender, because we've already done it twice. If we're not going to do that, if he goes out and eliminates Duplessis, we really need somebody for the job. What am I not seeing here? 
What am I not seeing? It's in front of us, isn't it? It's in front of us. I also believe likely a number one contenders match does get announced between Costa and Shemaev. Those guys are fighting, but that isn't soon. That fight is four months away. Five months away. I don't have a calendar in front of me. It's a long time. I mean, it's a, it's a co-main event to put in perspective for it. It's a co-main event with Islam on top of the bill taking on the winner of Benny and Charles, of which that fight isn't till June. So, I mean, it, this is a meaningful amount of time away to come up with a number one contender, particularly when you're planning to use your champion this summer. What am I not seeing, guys? Help me. I'm missing something, aren't I? Aren't I? And it's always right in front of us, right? But I'm missing it. I'm missing it. Duplices versus Whitaker makes a ton of sense if Adesanya is on a break, which is not the information that we had. Sean Strickland versus Whitaker. Sean Strickland versus Duplices. Just by example, these are the top guys. These are the top names. These are the top draws. These are main event fighters. That have got to find their way to each other, start to eliminate each other, to have somebody for the champion, Izzy, to compete with. Whose greatest rival, I believe they've completed that, by the way. I think those guys are good as to go the rest of their life happy and just appreciating their time and memories with each other. However, the greatest rival has left the division. It's a very interesting spot. We got one guy that's come up, his name is Jemima. If we had another 70-pounder that was coming up, I don't believe that they would go right into a title fight no matter who they were, including the rumors that you're hearing that Kamara Usman is going to go to 85 and take on Israel Adesanya. I can tell you, I don't know where those rumors come from, and they should stop. They aren't true. When Shemaev moved to 85, it was clearly stated for us that he must get a win at 85 before he's even a discussion of a title shot. I know we interpreted that to mean one win and he was probably getting a title shot, but that wasn't the words that were used. I don't think that a 70-pounder coming up, including... Kamara's going to walk right into that position. So it just comes to, uh, we're missing something on Izzy. When Whitaker and Duplisys found their ways to each other, because I think that Duplisys thought he was going to get that fight too. Is there something quiet? Is there something secret? Did something change with Adesanya that we haven't heard about? Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe there's another plan that's right in front of us and I'm not seeing it. That's why I'm coming to you, Eagles. It got moved. It got moved. It's now it's now a co-main event. It'll be underneath Amanda and Juliana Pena Part Three. So that it's only a month. Got moved a month, and and right on its surface, that's weird, right? I mean, normally you would never ask this question. Normally we would never have a discussion of do you think it's going to happen? A card got announced. This is the card. You'd wish everybody well and a healthy camp and so on and so forth. You move about your day. But something doesn't feel right and something never felt right. Oliveira and Benny are going to fight. Okay, that's the former champion against the guy with the longest win streak in the organization, any weight class, to not get a title fight. That's a very clear number one contenders match. Can we all agree? Because you do agree. You all agree. You, you believe that. 
and you fellow pundits out there have written about it. You've talked about it. You've tweeted it. You've discussed it. You've lied to everybody. It's not a number one contenders match. At least it's never been said that it is. You've said that it is, and you believe that it is, but it's never been said, and that's relevant, right? Whatever the juice was on that fight, it wasn't enough to keep Oliveira in it the first time. Benny came out and said that when he agreed to do the rematch, he got a guarantee that if Oliveira pulls out, doesn't show up for any reason, they don't reschedule again, they scrap the idea and they take Benny and they give him a world title fight. So we as an audience do understand that this is a number one contenders fight. Well, no, there again, it's never been said. We understand that if Benny wins, Benny fights for the belt. And we understand the fight doesn't happen at all. Benny fights for the belt. But it's never been said that Charles gets to fight for the belt. Now, that might be a small detail, guys. I'm not attempting to make a mountain out of a molehill. However, I need to look in every direction because whatever the sauce, it's not enough to keep Oliver in it the first time. He came out himself and said he has a minor injury. To prove the fact of how minor the injury was, he rebooked the match a month away. That's weird. That whole thing is weird. It doesn't mean it's corrupt. It doesn't mean it's unjust. It doesn't mean it's dishonest. It's weird. It's unique. So what do you make of it? And why hasn't it been named a number one contenders match? Is Charles not got the same guarantee? I mean, Benny's got a guarantee not only if he wins, he goes and fights for the belt. He's got a guarantee if the fight doesn't take place, he gets to go and fight for the belt. Does Charles not have that? Because he doesn't have it publicly, that's for sure. You guys have said it. You writers have written about it. But you're wrong. He has not been granted that by anybody in a position of authority. Is that just an oversight? Very possibly. As a matter of fact, most likely. Most likely, when somebody on the second floor of the Ultimate Fighting Championship sees this piece, they're going, oh, we didn't say that. We meant to say it. I thought we said it. That hasn't been said. Yes, this is a number one contender's match. Most likely, something along those lines is going to happen. But I'm just asking you, because there's been plenty of time. There's been a lot of hook and a lot of crook here. Benny DeRouge, who doesn't say boo if he's got a mouthful of it, has come out and told us that if Oliveira doesn't show up, he will go and fight for the belt. The guy that it's most difficult to get information from has given us information. But we've never been told that the same goes for Charles. And motivation's a son of a bitch in this sport. You could, you could only begin to guess. You're not going to convince me that Charles Oliveira is motivated to get back in there with Islam Makhlchev. There was nothing about their fight that said rematch. Nothing. It was not competitive. It was not controversial. It was not back and forth. There wasn't certain position. Right? Like some guy, oh, he's giving you big problems on the feet. Now, as soon as you get him down, he's he's done. But if he can keep it up here and the fight's going to start here and every five minutes the referee's going to put him here. I mean, you can sell yourself on a lot of things. None of them happened in that fight. There was no the jab was better or the cross was better or the uppercut or the condition or the strength or the control or the ground. There was nothing in that fight that says let's do a rematch. Nothing. There was no controversy. There was no competitiveness, but I bring it to you because we were told, right? I'm, I'm like an accountant, guys. I'm only as good as the information I'm given. And, and, and I got to say that 
Because I always have to hear from somebody when I make a piece. I, I don't come to you with my opinions very often. I am a master of hearing everything that's going on, and I got a foolproof memory. So I'm telling you things that happen. I'm just presenting them back to you, but it's very relevant because Charles Oliveira's head coach said that he was offered the rematch in Perth, that it was supposed to be him, not Volkanovski, regardless of the face-off at the end of the night where Islam and Volk faced off and they made the fight right there with Daniel. Regardless of that, the UFC was going to pull that and put Oliveira back in according to Oliveira's coach, but they turned it down, which is why the UFC went in the direction of Volkanovski. Believe that or don't, I'm sharing with you what was said. But right there, if that's true, we now know the motivation of Charles is to not get back in there with Islam. So it's a very precarious spot. If you're going to get the jump on Benny, you're going to have to be in a level of conditioning that Charles Oliveira has never been in. He doesn't have to get better with his boxing. He doesn't have to get his grappling better. If Charles is going to deal with Benny, and this is to make it close, right? just to have a close competitive and, and stay in there for three rounds, his condition is going to have to be at a level that it simply has never been. Fine. Fair enough. But to do that, you have to want it. To get your conditioning somewhere, you're now talking about hard work and you're talking about extra work. You're talking about discipline that less than one-tenth of the population alive has. So you're going to have to want it. And I am not convinced at all that Charles wants to get back in there with Islam. He's never done an interview saying that. He's never said what was the problem with his camp. And a guy can get a fight just by telling a lie. A guy can come out and say, I was fill in the blank. I mean, I've had guys, my rib hurt, right? I, I've had guys, oh, my shoulder was dislocated. I had guys, I was dealing with mononucleosis. I was sick as a dog. I was throwing up in the back just to ask my coach. Okay, okay, great. I will ask your coach and I'll write about it and the word will get around and maybe we can come and do a rematch. None of those things were said. The only thing we heard from Charles' team is we were offered a rematch and we said no. So now... We're being asked to believe that Charles is going to be able to dig deeper and produce a conditioning level higher than anything he's brought to the table before, or he's just accepting defeat before he goes in there. Could quite possibly be true. But his great reward, if he's to succeed and beat Benny, is to go into a fight that he was already offered and told, I don't want. This is, this is just reality that I'm telling you. There's no spin. And I, I realize I don't. I never give Charles a fair shake. I, I get that. I, I get it. And I, and I don't know why that is. Everything I hear about him, he's a wonderful guy. I, I, I get that I'm hard on him over here. But what I'm saying is still true. And to pull out of a fight just to do the fight again, admitting that it was a minor injury, signing up to do it four weeks later, this is unusual. So I'm going to stand by my initial question, and I'm going to ask you a second time. Do you think the fight is going to happen? All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you want to support the show, you can leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. 
or submit a rating on Spotify. Lots more stuff in the fight world to break down, and we're going to get to all of that on Friday. Tell that I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.